Well, welcome everybody to the Storied Podcast. This week, me and Ruben are going to talk a little bit about our um, hunter interactions, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll see. I'm sure everybody's had those um, and could probably, um, you know, comment in and stuff on some of this, but we're going to share that. And But like always, we're going to start with our little bit of meals that we've had this week or going to have. But you can start it out, Ruben. Yeah, I can't decide what I want to talk about. Um, <clears throat> both of them are pasta sauces, but uh, I think we're going to go with just what I already had. Very basic. Very good, though. Uh, I got some mule deer ground uh, and just throw that in a pan and, uh, you know, cook it up with salt, pepper and oregano, a little bit of garlic powder, and then just mix in some uh, Prego roasted garlic and herbs, uh, tomato sauce. Actually, I said that wrong. So the first thing I did was uh, chop up some of my own, a little bit of white onion and a little bit of uh, colored bell peppers pretty finely. And then I saute those, soften them up. And then I put the meat in and then I put the sauce in and let that simmer for quite a while. And then uh, you just have that on top of some, uh, you know, noodles and butter and and other basil and stuff like that. And it's just really good sauce. I mean, I think that the yeah. the extra little fresh onion and, and bell peppers put in there, you can actually definitely taste those as opposed to just having the regular, you know, pre-made yeah. sauce. So, yeah, that's a good, good sweetness really to it versus exactly whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Man. yeah. yeah. What about cool. you? Yeah, I'm going to go basic too, you know. Um, so me and my cousin, kind of my cousin more nonetheless, um, kind of throughout a summer worked on a the perfect marinade for jerky, backstrap, all that stuff. So it, it pretty much, because my father growing up, he would always put a lot of soy sauce, make it pretty salty. That was kind of his palate taste and... So this recipe is kind of like any basic marinade, but switch the soy sauce ratio and add uh, Worcestershire sauce heavier than the soy sauce and not much of that. So yeah, it's pretty much, you know, your black pepper, garlic, onion, your smoke pack brika, um, a little bit of le- uh, liquid smoke if you want to, brown sugar, you know, to tenderize a lot of your meat. Um, soy sauce in this, this is for two pounds of meat, is only like a tablespoon Versus your Worcestershire is a half a cup. So, you know, those ratios are kind of flipped. And then a little teriyaki sauce. And most importantly, my dad would always do this. Would get a little bit of the Wiersbe homemade maple syrup. And put a little little uh, dab of the homemade maple syrup in the in the marinade. And then that, let it sit overnight. And Folks, and that, Wurzba, that Wurzba maple syrup is to die for. I know that firsthand. Yep. Damn right. Um, question. You're you do. I think I know how you do backstraps, but I used to. I remember growing up, my dad when we killed the deer, um, he would cut it up, um, in small little thin slices, maybe a quarter inch, and just do it in butter. Now knowing, I do mine whole. Like just take a whole chunk, put it in a cast iron, do it whole. Is that how you do yours? I I do it both ways actually. Now I actually take uh. Yeah, I, I like take the thicker portions I'll make into those medallions. And when you get to the ends of it, I make it into bigger chunks, like you're saying, like just the entire backstrap. Oh, 
Um, And I think that the, I think the difference there would be that obviously the bigger pieces, you're going to be getting that sear on it and cooking them rare in the center out to medium rare, out to seared. And, and that'd be good. Like, you know, for slicing for like pieces of steak to you just either eat with a seasoning or dip in a sauce. Whereas Mm -hmm. when you cut them thinner into medallions, I feel like that lends itself more to like taking up a lot of seasoning. And if you're cooking them in butter or whatever in the pan, like that, that I think those will be more flavorful, but then you like, you probably cook them more like medium rare instead of having that like really rare, you know, center of the bigger ones, you know? Um, so I think I, I, it depends on what I'm doing with them. And if I'm grilling them, obviously I do the whole thing. I don't, I don't, Yep. Mess around with the small medallion. Yeah, that's my favorite. Oh, grilling them on a little smoky or something. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. But uh, speaking of deer, I guess we'll get into a little bit what we've been up to. I got a text at or a call at 10 p.m. Central Time right when I was going to bed from uh, you. So Last I don't night. know why. Well, yeah, I don't know why I got that. You want to tell the, tell, the, tell the people listening? Well, I mean... I got a text from you yesterday morning at 5.30 a.m. my time saying good <laughs> luck. And then the night before, we had talked about uh, where I was mm-hmm. heading up to this mountain to uh, go after this uh, mule deer. Not 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 a specific not a specific mule deer. Like I didn't have a specific buck picked out, but this is uh, a ridgeline, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in this hunter interaction story where I've uh, killed a big mule deer buck before. And, um, and it's a really tough country and a really hard mountain to hunt. And I've hunted it quite a few times, more than half a dozen times since I killed that one in 2020 and, uh, haven't had an opportunity yet. Uh, another nice one. I've seen a lot of those and smaller bucks up there, but yeah, I, I kind of like talked to you about the game plan I was going to go do. Got up, went up there and did it and killed it. <laughs> Literally don't, killed don't, one. Yeah. Don't spoil that. So, so, we'll uh, tell the story later. Yeah. That's going to be it. That's going to be a whole episode there. I mean, that, or at least, mm-hmm. at least half of an episode like that, that, yep. that story is really a really sweet story. I'm really proud of that. How the hunt went and the buck I shot is pretty unique looking timber buck and um so yeah that's what i've been up to in the last 48 hours here is uh planning and executing a mountain mule deer hunt i like to you know we were talking prior to this like we always talk through this uh the hunting season and 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 or whenever i guess um that i felt i'm like for my part i'm like i was happy because you know i was a little bit included to it you know we texted i texted you at 5 30 in the morning like good luck go get them we talked that evening i'm like what do, what do you think and i didn't really have any say i just said yeah that seems good <laughs> go, <laughs> you know yeah go kill something well, <laughs> but yeah that, that was that was cool yeah that's similar to, that. to when yeah. you sent me your game plan on that yes. one yeah Yes, didn't recover yes. and i like i texted you yeah. back after you'd already killed one because it, it was like yeah. you asked me my opinion and then you kind of text me back well i don't care i did what you said not to do and I <laughs> one. <laughs> but yeah um yeah so, yeah it's fun to be in the loop 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, you've kept us in the loop a little too on what's going on in the Whitetail Woods in your world. You got some trail cam footage of what appears to be first hot doe and some bucks coming right after, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, what I've been up to, I guess, um, I tagged out here in Minnesota, so um, shotgun season's this weekend, and I'm like, I better go get all those cameras I got littered all over the woods, so um, I did, and it was kind of cool, because I tagged out early, so my cameras have just sat there for like a month and a half, two months, and it was it was interesting to just see, yeah, a hot doe, you could see her just peeing and rubbing her tarsal glands right there, and then... A few hours later, all of a sudden, this 10-point comes. A few hours later, the next day, this double main beam buck comes. And it's like, it's sweet that to see all that stuff. But yeah. What, gotta, what day was that, that the doe showed up? Oh, crap. It was, it was I think, October like 11th or 15th. It was mid-October. Dang, that's an early is, one. That's, that's what I thought. I wrote that down, actually, on a GPS point for next year you know if that yeah. doe is still alive if she was in heat that day you're probably gonna have the same activity in that same day yeah. usually yeah just like That's spawning sweet. fish you know just like the job yep yep <laughs> same females come in same time usually <laughs> so but, yeah i mean we're we've been out in the woods um where i was at i wasn't expecting really to see anybody even though there were boot tracks way up on that mountain uh, and then where you were at, obviously you got, you got people everywhere and you're trying to dodge people. It sounds like going to check cameras and whatnot. So that kind of brings us to what we're going to talk about today is, yeah. uh, interacting with other hunters in the field when you're out there. And, um, we've got, we've got the good, the bad and the ugly stories, but we're kind of going to do them so that we end on a good note. So we're going to start exactly. with bad stories and then tell an ugly story. And then we're going to tell a good story and <laughs> An uh, ugly group story. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to, uh, and then we're going to kind of go over what we think we, we took away from those interactions and maybe who was in the right, who was in the wrong, or maybe a little bit of both or, you know, sometimes not, both sometimes both people have good, good reasons that they're pissed off and also not good reasons, you know, like at the same time that you have one reason that you're in the right, maybe at the same time, there's something else that you could be doing that is less confrontational or less stepping on people's toes. So yeah. we'll, uh, we'll get into that. Do you want me, I guess I'll tell my story, my bad story first. Or do you want to, I might tell my bad story first. So, you know, where I checked all those cameras, that's kind of leads into what my bad story was this, this year. It happened this year. Cause I was like, I was talking to you about this episode and I'm like, I really don't have a bad altercation with anybody, you know? I mean, it's been, you know, there's been some times, but I'm like, I've never had something that like kind of made my heart boil a little bit. So same piece of public. Um, I usually, let's see, go to this. I don't usually, but this year I did. I'm like, I can go to this one part of this public piece of property. It's a public piece of property, you know, surrounded by private, like everywhere else. And so I can go to this one far end because I have a wind advantage. And then also I have a lot of sight and I could see where these deer are potentially bedding and kind of feeding out. And then I can make a play off of that. And it is on the corner of public and private. So um, I went out there and I set up my saddle and I was walking into the spot quietly and I see this cell camera 
And I'm like, ah, shit. I'm like, whatever. You know what? I'm going to, that. there's a perfect tree right there. I'm going to set up with my saddle right in that tree. And I'm going to watch over this CRP and everything and see if uh, deer come out like how I think they are. So I walked around the cell camera first. And then I'd set up my saddle and I watched through the night. I saw a few nice bucks and a few does come walking right up by me. And and uh, I'm like, you know what? On the way out, I don't need to walk around this dang camera. I'm going to walk right by it. So I just kind of did the old Heisman pose, the old stiff arm next to the camera. walked by it and walked out. And so a week come a week later... I'm like, I'm going to go hunt that spot. I got a good wind pattern, historic record on some other bucks. So I went in there and first thing, the guy must have saw my truck go by because I'm kind of the only one that's usually in there. And he whipped around, he pulled right up and he's like, um, where do you think about, where where are you going to be hunting today? I'm like, well, I, I wherever, I don't know. I'm like, I'm going to go in there and see what's going on he's like were you back on that crp back there i'm like a week ago he said and i'm like yeah he's like you know that's private where that camera is and i'm like god no i'm pretty sure that's like 70 yards into the public and then he was kind of like getting on me he's like oh that's private right there i'm like well i i can call a wildlife agency or whatever if you really want that cleared up i'm like i was not trying to go on to private or anything i'm like i was 70 yards into the public so um he kept going on and and then after kind of he was i don't know i felt like wrong he's like well you know what they when you access this through that easement people go down this i'm like i i know how to get in here and i know how to get in here on private or public and so i'm like don't accuse me of stuff i'm not doing here and then uh, you know he's he's a guy that doesn't own the property that butts up to this public. He uh, just is this is his first year hunting there, and he's which I see his defense. You know I've seen plenty of people trespass on public. Just recently, when I was going to get those cameras, I saw a sled that someone actually shot a deer in that, and they went right through the dang private and right up the gut, and because I lost the trail. And I'm like, where'd that guy go? And so I w- went back down, used that easement, and then hopped in. I saw that sled again. I'm like, well, that guy just went all the way through private. <laughs> but yeah. Um, um, so yeah, he was he was accusing me for all that. And I'm like, no, I'm in the right. I I did nothing wrong. So I'm like, just get off my back. And then I then I don't know whatever went on. And I'm like, well, I'm gonna probably hunt that in the future. I said. I'm like, I'm 70 yards in. I'm like, I'll probably sit that, but I'm like, I'm not sitting that tonight, whatever. And I'm like, he's like, are you seeing anything? I'm like, no, just this and this. And he's like, well, you know, that public's not good anyway. That, you know, they, you get pressure. They don't, they just don't, it's, it's not good. And sounds like there's to, a lot back there. <laughs> exactly. So uh, he was just trying to push me off and, I, I really didn't have much to say. I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, I'm going to, and I told him, I'm like, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. If you have problems with it, I'm like, I'll give you the conservation officer's number right now. And you can call me in whatever you want to do. Um, and so I just kept doing what I'm doing and then actually shot a buck out of there. But, um, yeah, it was, 
it was kind of just that classic uh, insecurity of the private guy that he must have had something on camera and just trying to run you off of that piece of public. But if you know you're in the right, keep doing what you're doing, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And I think that in that situation, um, if you have your homework dialed and you have like people can read, well, obviously he. He had he knew he had no proof that you were actually on private, and then if you come back at him and be like, "I know exactly what the layout is, and this is exactly what I'm doing, and I'm like very confident in that," and especially if you go to the point of saying like, "If we want to get a conservation officer involved here," like that shows that you know that you're not yeah. breaking any laws, doing anything wrong. Yeah. Those, those people are probably going to back off quite a bit, and it sounds like he did. Um, yeah, I just, I just hated the, that's what, like the false accusing. I'm like, I'm not doing jack shit wrong. I'm just out here yeah. hawk, hiking my ass off to try to find a deer and you're taking your ranger to probably walk into the public there. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not budging <laughs> from what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. And I mean, but, like you were saying though, I, I can see the opposite side of it a little bit too, just because yes. you do hear about people abusing property lines and. And then also, did he ask you if you shot one, what you were going to do if it ran on a private? Yep. Yep. Totally. Yeah. He's like, well, what if you shoot one? I'm like, well, I'm going to pack it out. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what if you shoot one back there? Because that's that's a decent, decent John out there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll pack it out. Well, but did he, he didn't mention if it like went on to that property after you shot it? No, no. no. Yeah. But that's no. also a reason probably to keep it keep it pretty civil. Cause if that were to happen to you, then you'd be totally, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You got to ask that landowner, but luckily yeah. in that circumstance, it's like, I, yeah, maybe I'll shoot something, but that where I was sitting, it was more of a, you know, um, which I'm call observation set. Yeah. I'm like, I just, I can see a lot of stuff from that point. And then I also can just dump my wind right in, yeah. into a good spot off this cliff. So, it's a good and spot to, this, to watch this is stuff. definitely something that is not at all a guarantee, but I find that um, when you're at an edge of private and public property, oftentimes from a, a wildlife management area or similar spot where I've hunted before, the public is generally timbered and thick, nasty shit. And the private is generally yep. a field of crops right up to it. So if you do happen to shoot a deer, likely it's going to run onto the public where there's cover. Yeah. I wouldn't say well, that's, even, a spa- that's not a fail safe, but that's probably yeah. the more likely situation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Even in that circumstance, like, well, you know, I know a lot of those deer are bedded. That's why I'm sitting this one spot. Cause I know they're bedded right on that public private boundary and I can see it and I can see them come up and walk into the public in this circumstance they were. And I'm like, I can just, you know, I can get a plan for that. Cause it was yeah. CRP and then it was just beans on the backside. And I'm like, okay, yeah. they're not coming from that. But so that was a bad, yeah. a bad interaction with, uh, uh, with a private guy. Yeah. 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 I, I'll, I'll go into mine. Cause mine's a bad interaction with the uh, public, public people. Yeah. Um, so there's some areas to hunt around here in, uh, Montana around the Missoula area that are, uh, kind of river bottom whitetail spots that we have some state land and uh, other, other things that you can access and hunt. And I had a stand in there, a couple stands in there, actually. Um, see what this, this story I'm talking about was last fall that this happened, but I had hunted it two falls previous and 
shot a doe out of there and had some opportunities at some bucks. And, uh, it's a very heavily used area, not just by hunters. There's like a, a walking trail system through there. There's a lot of dog walkers and stuff and, you know, classic kind of whitetail stuff where if, if you, you got to figure out what the deer are doing in there, cause they are constantly around humans and pressure. So it doesn't drive them out, but it makes them really dialed on where they go and when. And so it was kind of fun. Like it was fun to figure those deer out. And, um, this area I had my tree stand last fall was way back in this corner, about a mile from the parking lot. You have to cross some water to get there and it actually backs up to water and private and a private property line about less than a quarter mile, 300 yards past where my stand was. So if you will, I am as far as you can get from the parking lot in the very corner of this public land. And there's no other public land to access in that direction. It's, it's private land and it's a, a large river. So like you don't, I don't know what you're going to do by going back in there, you know? So this was an afternoon hunt. I got in there at about one, maybe 1230 one parked. Nobody's there, you know, get in, get my waders on across this, this water, take them off, get my boots on continue to walk in and these deer normally filter out right about an hour, hour and a half before dark to this field. This is middle of November. It's like November 14, 15th, like prime time, you know? Um, yeah. and, and, uh, so I'm sitting in the stand and just waiting. Um, the actually, I can't remember Maybe the, the morning before. So I'm, this is the afternoon. The, mor- the day before in the morning, I had hunted that spot and I had a really good mainframe eight pointer come in, uh, but he, he winded me. He came in through the field and he was kind of thinking of coming my way. No, he wasn't. He was, he was going to skirt me by about a hundred yards. So I grunted at him and I think that he's been probably grunted at a lot in that spot because there's tree stands everywhere in there. And he just stopped stock still and stood and waited for that wind to swirl over to him. Cause I, I, I grunted at him kind of as a hail Mary, you know, like it wasn't yeah. like he was out feeding and I was trying to get him to come in. It was like, he was going a place and I wanted to try to cut him off cause he was going to get downwind of me. But anyways, he went to me, ran off. So I know that bucks around and, um, and he ran off in the way that a buck runs off that knows what's going on. It wasn't like he just like went a different direction. Like he tucked his tail and just trotted straight away from me for about 300 yards <laughs> and didn't stop. So I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to see that one again. But anyways, I'm in the stand. It's getting towards the good time of the day. You know, it's still out. It's like 25 degrees sunset. And I'm like, okay, here, you know, this is going to get good here. And I hear some crunching like far off through this cottonwood line that comes at the edge of this field. And I'm like, okay, that that's starting to sound like a person out of deer, right? So I I look over there and I use my binos and there's a dude walking in and waiters with a pack on and a shotgun. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, like people jump shoot ducks around here, like that's fine, whatever. He's he's probably gonna go to the back lobe of this river or this backwater over here and try to jump shoot some ducks. I'm like, you know, public land, do what you want. And honestly, the deer in here hear that all the time. So if he does what normal duck hunters do, like they're probably not gonna act much different. Um, might kind of ruin my hunt for the night, but maybe not, you know. And uh so he goes down down there and I lose sight of him. And, uh, all of a sudden I hear, uh, 
or no, what happened? So yeah, there was a tree. St- there was a tree stand right by where that duck water was, and one of the there were apparently were two dudes. One of them starts climbing up into this tree stand right there, and so I like how far away from you was that? Not very far, 150 yards. Okay, yeah. But I don't think they had seen me at that point. Like the way they yeah. walked in, I'm you know I set up my stands with some good breakup. Like it's hard to see me in the stand. So he starts getting up in there. So I decided to just rattle my rattling horns to get his attention. And like, you know, I mean, how many times, how many times have you heard bucks fighting in the woods? Right. Not yeah. too often. Yeah. How many times have you heard people rattling? Probably more, you know, like, so I'm just like doing that to like, I'm not going to scare any deer by doing that. And I honestly might call one in, but like, I'm doing that to like, make him possibly aware yeah. that someone else is in the area. He starts rattling back. <laughs> so when, when's the last time that you heard two d- different sets of deer rattling at the same time? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, that's kind of odd. Um, but that wasn't the big issue. The big issue was there were two dudes. I didn't see the other dude at first. The other guy in the waiters is still on the ground and he is walking now from that tree stand really close to where I'm going with his shotgun. So I'm like, okay, what, what's going on here? Oh, and he has a, he, and he has a bow on his back. So this dude oh. has waders, a shotgun and a bow on his back. And this is an nice. archery only deer area. Um, and so I'm like, all right, I'm probably going to have to like try a little harder to make sure these guys know that I'm up here. Cause looks like they're about to just blow this whole area out. You know, yeah. I don't know, I've never seen somebody walking around with a shotgun and a bow at the same time. Um, yeah. And so I, I start whistling at him and he's less than a hundred yards at this point in this like river bottom. And, uh, he stops, looks up at me and like, I'm at this point he can see me. Like I wave, you know, like I'm like, I'm a little silhouetted against the sky and then he no. see he turns, looks, and then he turns and keeps going. I'm like, you freaking kidding me? So I like whistle at him again. And then he like turns, looks and then turns and keeps going. I'm like, are you like, God, like you better not be doing what I think you're about to be doing. Cause like I said, this is an area where there's nowhere to go past me for like two, less two, 300 yards. It's private in like the river. Like there's no other public land to access back here. The only thing there is are a couple of wet spots where there might be some ducks. Yeah. And this dude goes in about 75, 100 yards from where my tree stand is after he knows that I'm in that tree stand and starts blasting these ducks off the water right under me. Just starts shooting ducks. And I was like, I was like out of my mind at that point. I'm like, uh, like I've never, I've never seen that before. And, and so did they, um, did they, uh, did they get anything? Uh, no, no. So uh, they did not because what happened was he turned around and he yeah. started going back to where his buddy was in that tree stand. And first of all, first thing is that these dudes are walking in in the last hour of light at prime time. Oh yeah. And like, and so I'm like, as a deer hunter, you, you're not, you shouldn't be like as a white tail deer hunter, you shouldn't be moving around in a crunchy leafy cottonwood bottom in freezing weather walking around that time of day. And if you had any kind of knowledge of public land hunting and etiquette, you would kind of think to yourself, I'm probably going to be screwing this up for other people, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, so he starts walking back and I'm like, you freaking kidding me. But I'm like, okay, I got 45 minutes left. 
Who the hell knows? It's rut. There could be a buck run through here. Then they start shooting again, like right, right past like where he came from. And I'm just like, you know what? I've had it. Not to mention at this point, I had actually killed a buck the week before. Um, and so I was actually just hunting for like, I was hunting for a really large deer. Like I wasn't going to shoot anything but a really large deer. So I wasn't like, um, I wasn't like pissed off because I was not going to fill my tag. I was like very upset because of the type of uh, consideration they had for other hunters. And also really like truly crossed my mind. Like there's a lot of people that don't have that much time to hunt and come in here for weekend hunts and stuff. And the last thing that I would want somebody who has three days in the season to go bow hunt is to have that happen to them, you know? So I, I get down on my tree stand and I just march right over to him. And I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt, right? Like I'm not going to come in there like guns blazing unless I know like it was intentional. So I get up yeah. to them. I'm like, Hey, how's it going guys? I'm like, so uh, did you see me up in that tree stand? And they're like, yeah, we saw you. And I was like, so then what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and, then, and then they're like, it's public land. We can use it how we want. And I was like, yeah, you can use it how you want. Legally, there's nothing wrong with what you just did, but it was pretty fucking douchey. Like, yeah. do you have any respect for other hunters out here? And I, I, I did admittedly like lose it. I, I started cussing them out, and um, I, I even poke. Here's another thing that really annoys me <laughs> in, in Montana. Uh, this is not a whitetail state. People, at least Western Montana, like, yeah. um people shoot whitetails with guns, but like archery hunting whitetails out here is not like the Midwest. And I've met a lot of people from here that think you can just walk up to a whitetail and shoot with a bow because they do a lot of mule deer hunting or elk hunting. And then they'll see a whitetail just standing there that they can't shoot with their gun or decide not to. And they're like, well, they just look at you. And then what people don't realize is they're looking at you from probably a little out of bow range. And second of all is you're not, they read your behavior you're not focused on them you're just walking through so they're going to stand there until you decide to turn towards them so even if you get close enough to a white tail to shoot at as soon as you pull your bow up or draw like that's not going to go well anyways that bothers the hell out of me so i i uh i i kind of dug at them with that too i was like i asked the guy i was like so how many deer have you shot doing what you're doing with that bow walking around like that and he's like none i'm like exactly it doesn't work and you're just ruining it for everybody like and i just went off on him and I, I still stand by my point on that. Like I, I shouldn't have lost my temper quite as much, but like just here's, here's my view on it. People can disagree if you want, but like I've hunted a long time for whitetails, a lot of archery hunting. And if you're trying to walk around in a river bottom and shoot with a bow, it's like sky busting when you're waterfowling. It's like having a flock of geese coming in at a hundred yards in the air and people shooting at them before they work into your decoys. It's exactly what it is. So please don't do it. <laughs> but anyways, so I, I blew up on them. They decided to leave and they even said to me, well, now that you're acting like this, we're going to walk under your tree stand anytime we see you up there. And I was like, you guys are freaking douchebags. And, and so um, I was so heated. And after that, actually, I started to think back on it and I was like, you know, that was definitely like breaking all rules of hunter etiquette on their part. But I'm like, you know, maybe they just started hunting this year. Maybe they have no idea what they're doing. And, you know, I don't know, but, but, um, what actually saved, what actually made me think that I was in the right for getting that mad after that was 
lo and behold, the next day I was selling on Facebook marketplace. Mm. I was selling my, my old headlight housing to a dude on Facebook marketplace. And we started chit chat about hunting and, and we started talking about that spot. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, I was out, you know, deer hunting in the river bombs last night. And I ran into these dudes who like messed it all up. And he's like, were they driving this silver decked out tundra? And I was like, yeah. He's like, they have BHA plates. I was like, yeah. He's like, those guys are assholes. I like live out in that area. And I stopped hunting that area because multiple times when I've gone in there, like they give me the cold shoulder when I try to talk to them in the parking lot about what they're doing. And yeah, they just walk all over that stuff and blow it up. And I'm like, okay, now I don't feel as bad about cussing them out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, that was bad. Yours was bad. That was worse. Yeah, that was worse. Yeah. But, Definitely. uh, but, Let's should we get into the uh the ugly story? But, and don't worry, folks, we're gonna talk about the good stories and then we're gonna yeah. kind of talk about each point on these about what we think could have gone better, either what we did or what the other person did, and how how to how to all get along out there. But should we go into this this you, uh ugly yeah, story? Yeah, you, you lay you lay out the old ugly story because I don't remember it as crazy vividly, probably because I just blacked out or something when I'd get in an altercation <laughs> with with that, but it yeah. definitely was coming back to me. Yeah. So we had our first story from Ryan was a public land hunter and a private land hunter interacting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now we had me public, public. Now we're going to talk about private, private, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which you almost wonder to yourself, how is that possible? Cause on private land, you probably know everybody who's hunting there. Um, so We'll go back to one of our earlier episodes with Nick Dax. We're talking about uh, the waterfowling we did around where Ryan's from in central Wisconsin. And uh, can you, Ryan, why don't you just run that down quick for folks? So like what, what is the layout of the area as far as the landscape, land ownership, and like the, the geese? Yeah. So um, yeah, like central Wisconsin area is pretty flat. Um, I don't know, 50, well, probably uh, two thirds cropland one-third wooded um pretty flat i got geese uh we have geese that kind of fly through they're more the um resident geese so you get a little bit of migratory activity down there because we have one somewhat minor riverway they go down but i mean i grew up in that area so every farmer in the area i know (laughs) you know went to church together went to graduation, went to high school with all these guys. So the farm that we, um, we were hunting was, it was, it was just off of a lake where there's these geese would roost and they would fly in. Cause my buddy that I knew really well, um, he would harvest this field and kind of come around. He'd run one whole row of corn over right down the middle. So there was geese landing in at hardcore for this, this time frame, And like I said, I'm, very good friends with them. I actually, he actually hunted our whitetail land with us and then vice versa. I asked him when I started waterfalling, you know, like Dex in that previous episode and you, um, we started waterfalling a little bit. So I asked him to hunt some of his, uh, agricultural land to, um, hunt some geese. And, and so we went out to this one good field and at the time he was just starting to pick it. So it was ran over that one, one row and then it was all chopped, you know, like there's nothing really left. And then there was standing corn on half of the other field. 
So yeah. geese were hammering in there pretty, pretty hardcore. So yeah. You take so, away the rest of the story. Yeah. So my roommate, um, my undergrad roommate at the time, he, he also dabbled in a little waterfowling. Uh, so we, we made a plan that, uh, that afternoon, I think it was a Friday afternoon. Like we, I think that's probably what it was like me and he did not have class so we could get off at like one and we're going to go out there and prep the area. And then you and your, you know, the landowner had, um, stuff to do, but you could have gotten out there early Mm -hmm. enough to get a shoot in, but not early enough to like get the blind set up and all that. So, we went out there and we pull into the field and we start, um, we start kind of like prepping the layout blinds, like by that run over row of corn you were talking about. Yep. And we're in the middle of doing that. And all of a sudden, like this row of four freaking trucks, one of them with a whole, you know, enclosed trailer rolls into the field like that we're prepping. And we're like, uh, what's going on here? Like, I didn't think that Ryan just bought a brand new truck with a trailer and I didn't think <laughs> he was bringing three other people. So like, what the hell is going on here? So they, they roll in like they own the place and, um, they get out. There's, I think, did they, did they roll right up to you or because this field was on the edge of a, a decently major road and, so did they roll right up and go into the field and just park right there? Or did they drive all the way out there to where you guys were? No, they drove out to us because they had their trailer oh, and they were going to set all their spread out, you know? So oh. they like drove right in the middle of the field and parked like 50 yards from us. So we get up and we're walking over to them. And mind you, like I'm really good friends Not- with Ryan, but I don't, I think I've met the landowner one time and uh, Ethan doesn't know any of these people. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those situations where it's like, there's a little bit of communication breakdown on some things because, you know, Eric's telling you that we can hunt the field. You're telling us to go prep it. You guys are going to meet us there at a certain time. And then we're like, mm-hmm. you know, we, like there is a little bit of room for confusion there. So these guys get there and they hop out and, and we're like, Hey, how's it going? They're like, Oh, you know, we're out here to, we're going to goose hunt. Uh, like what, what are you guys up to? And we're like, well, we're going to do something like, Oh really? Well, you know, we have permission. I'm like, I just talked to the landowner like an hour ago and he said to come set up here and he didn't say anything about six other dudes and three dogs and a girl coming here, you know? And he's like, well, we've hunted this many years in the past. And, uh, this is, this is where we hunt. And this, this dude's like, a peacock, you know, he's like barrel chested, like all <laughs> up in your face. And, and you can tell that his other guys behind him, like, I think the guy we we're talking to is probably in his late thirties. Uh, and he had a daughter that was probably like 14 or something. And then I want to, I want to interject a little bit. Um, my buddy, Eric has previously <clears throat> purchased this ground two years prior to this incident. So this is new land ownership from, yes. Yes. From yeah. whoever owned it before. So, so yeah, they're like, we have permission and there's this dude in the late, his late thirties probably. And he's got a daughter who's probably just started hunting. Uh, and then his his friends are like, you know, anywhere from like late thirties to probably fifties. Right. And, uh, those guys seem to be like, you know, like other people probably would be like a little bit like, Oh, you know, what's going on here? Like we should probably talk about this, but this, this dude is kind of like ramming it down our throats. He literally says to us, 
Yeah. He literally says to us, like, you know, well, we've had permission here so many years. We hunt this all the time, and uh, we're going to hunt the standing corn over here. So if you guys want to join us doing that, you're welcome to, but we're not doing the layout thing. And I was like, uh, we're going to wait until the landowner that we talk to, which I think is probably not the landowner you're referring to, shows up, you know? And so... We kind of got. I do remember. I do remember getting the text like you guys were talking, and you're like, "Get over here!" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know what I was doing at the time. I don't know if I was in school or helping dad do something." And you're like, "Get over here!" I'm like, "Well, okay, we'll be over here in like half an hour." And I do remember texting Eric like, "Okay, we got to go. There's there's some guys on your field that want to goose hunt." So I think you guys are just kind of buying time a little bit. Yeah, and exactly. They, they were setting up, weren't they setting up? And then you guys were just doing your thing till we arrived, you know? Yeah, because I mean, we were already almost set up because, you know, we got four of us. We don't have like a bunch of decoys. Like these guys have a trailer mm-hmm. full. And so, yeah, yeah. we like kind of were ending when they showed up. And then we kind of were just like standing around with our hands in our pockets, watching them set up there, like, you know, five dozen decoys or whatever. And, um, so then you guys show up and I think how it went down basically was Eric talked to him and, uh, and they were like, we have permission. He's like, well, I'm the landowner. And like you said, is, is over a year or maybe even two years that he had purchased that land previously. So these mm-hmm. guys had not checked up. They had permission on this ground from a previous landowner from all probably two, at least one, almost two years ago. And they had not checked up on them and like to see that the land possession changed or anything. And they just had assumed that they had permission to this property for, I guess forever. I don't know, but basically what happened was since grandfathered in. Yeah. Since they had, um, since they had like all these people out there, all their stuff being set up and probably a little bit because Eric is like kind of a nicer guy and, and is Hell also, of a guy. also probably not very much into water following at this point. So he doesn't feel like he's losing too much, you know? Yeah. Um, he was like, well, you know what you guys, you can hunt this evening, but that's it. After that, like you don't have permission here anymore. And they're like, okay, that's fine. You know? And what we did actually once again, you guys know all the farmers in the area. So we went up and around this adjacent field and got permission there and set up. And actually we shot more geese than these other dudes did. Cause what happened yeah. was we had a few flocks come in we called them in and shot on two or three. And then the massive flock that went to feed there didn't show up until right after legal shooting light. And so yeah. there was like, multiple dozens of geese that landed in that field into their decoys after legal shooting light. So we're like, Oh, that's kind of funny. Ha ha ha. We shot like three, they shot zero, but saw a bunch <laughs> land in there. So we pack up and leave. This is where it gets. Well, and that was- I was going to say, and then we were, we were worried. It's like, shit, those guys just got called off and they just had a giant flock fly into their decoys yeah, and yeah. like, like work perfectly. And we're like, Oh, those guys are probably going to be back driving around somewhere, you know, let's, let's beat them out. Yeah. We're like, it would be pretty crazy, but they might try to hunt that that again in the morning. It was a, it was a weekday because I remember like Friday or something, I still had class at like 11 or sometime that I still had to like get back to school. You mean the day that they showed up was a weekday? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was because this coming this coming day now in the morning Saturday. so we were we were talking about an evening hunt 
And then now the morning, I feel yeah. like I still had to get back to class or something. I thought it was a Saturday because I think maybe, it, maybe was, it was. Maybe I think it was. it was the youth. Here's here's the deal. We we saw all those geese go in that field, and we're like, "There's no way they're not going to try to push the envelope and try to hunt that again exactly. in the morning." But it was also uh, youth deer season opener the next day, and I think that they mentioned that or something in uh, when he was talking to Gruna because. Because um, he said, like, okay, we'll just hunt it tonight, and then it's it's we're trying to get her on a deer in the morning anyway. So, like, they, they like said that. So, we're like, well, I don't really believe him, though. So, <laughs> so we, yeah, we got up really early the next morning. This is where it got ugly. We go in there, and sure as shit, his truck's in that field. After yeah. he'd been told that that was it for the, like, that evening was it. So I think what happened was we rolled up in there and um, it's it's the guy and his daughter and we both went up and talked to him and we're like, hey, I thought you said you weren't coming here this morning. He's like, yeah, well, last night was going to be her first goose hunt. Today is going to be her first real goose hunt, you know, because of all the geese that landed in there the night before. Because I think it was you, me, and Ethan. Eric wasn't been. involved. He, he had to do chores in the morning. No, yeah, he, he no, he wasn't supposed to hunt with us that yeah. morning. But what happened yeah. was, and then the guy said like that these other dudes were showing up, but this was very early because we decided to go yeah. in very yeah. early because we were dark. like, we want to, yeah. we want to be there. These guys are setting up. And he told us that the other guys were like 20 minutes behind them or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and so we were like, okay, well, we'll see what the landowner has to say about that. And we just walked back to our truck. And I think he called up Eric and he, uh, yeah. he zipped right okay. on over. Hops out of his truck. Still feeding cows and I'll be right there. It's still pitch black out too. Luckily, he only lived a mile down the road. I was going to say, I think at this point too, he was a little pissed off. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, all right, I'll let it slide. And then all of a sudden, I've never seen Eric mad in my life. But (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And there he's like, well, enough's enough. I own the land. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. So we, we, we sat in the truck and we watched him pull up, get out of his truck, go up to the guy. And he didn't say like, it was like a couple seconds. He was at their window and turned around and walked back and the guy just turned it and left the field. And we walked up to him and asked what he said. And he said, he said, I told you last night was like the last night. I don't pay for this land for you to hunt it. And then just walked away. And (laughs) (laughs) so, yeah, that's, um, that's what happened. And that was, that was pretty ugly. I mean, the, the first day was pretty bad in its own right, but to come back after that, my yeah, God, like, I, private property. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. private property. Like that's not etiquette. Yeah. That's legal. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's illegal. Yeah. That's trespassing. Yeah. Yep, sure. Yeah. So we'll go, I think we'll go break these down in a little bit here, but first we should just say some good stories real quick to like, say how good hunter interactions can happen. I know it's too bad that we don't have too much time in this podcast left to sprinkle the good on top, but I will. Yeah. I'll share a good, a good story here that happened kind of in Utah. So I, I shared, um, on our, on the podcast of our first elk hunt. Um, I had a spike elk hunt and, and, um, I found this nice little wallow and I was kind of up there for two days straight. And that was the second day when I was up there and I heard these elk bugle and I'm like, okay, the herd's over the hill, um, which was kind of a little booger to get up there every day. Um, 
so I heard these elk. So I kind of cut off of my, where I kind of was sitting area. And I went over around, was looking for these elk, no, no avail. And all of a sudden it was like noon. I'm like, well, I'm going to mosey down back to these wallows. And I think I did have a camera on that, that one wallow at the time. So I was going to check it. And all of a sudden I hear a, like a whistle at me. I'm like, what the heck? I'm like one tree, this whole area got burned and it was all Aspen, just short Aspen. And there was one, um, like spruce or balsam tree that had still like red needles on it. And this guy had a tree stand in it. And sure, I'm like, sure shit. I'm like, that's a good little spot there. So he, he climbed down and we started talking, shooting the shit. And he's like, Oh yeah. Older guy, an older guy from California. He's like, I've hunted this wallow for the last how many years? And he's like, this is a good spot. He's like, nah, I've never seen anybody up here, but he's like, this is a good spot. He's like, you're, you're one heck of a hunter. I'm like, ah, at that time, I don't think I was, but so we just started talking, sharing some stories and stuff. And then, and then just a good altercation. And all of a sudden we started, started hearing some noise. And so, so we both sat down and I'm like, well, I'm like, you were sitting up in here. I'm like, you go a little first. So kind of just pushed him first. And I'm like, well, I'll just sit back behind and you can see kind of the herd kind of moseying through the, through the trees, but they really never got close enough to us. And, uh, they moseyed on back, but we were just kind of sharing stories and then being transparent of like, okay, what's, what's your plan here? This is a great spot. Every time I went up there, I heard elk bugling and I seen elk and all that stuff. So he's like, well, I won't be back for two weeks and I'll bring my probably son-in-law and we'll probably hunt up here. And I'm like, okay, you know, I work just down the road. I'm like, I'll probably be up here and so on. So, but he's like, yeah, he kept saying, he's like, you're one heck of a hunter. You know, he's just an older guy. He's like, I, I just love it to see people up here like this and I'm like, you know, you're a good, you're a good person. I'm like, I'll, I'll get out of your hair. I won't be here for the next few days. He's like, okay. I, I got a few more days to hunt and I'll be out of here. But he's like, hey, almost every year I shoot a spike up here. I'm like, there you go, guy. <laughs> nice. That was my positive, positive. Yeah. Nice running into an older guy way up on the hill like that. Yeah. Good interaction. Talk a little bit about the area. Have a. Share some stories, some hunting stories. That's what it's all about. Yeah. For me, um, I've had a lot. I mean, we're talking about bad interactions, and I think we talk about that just because we want people to have a better experience out there. So we point out like what might not be the best thing to do. But uh, there's a lot of good interactions, too, where I feel like you should talk about that as much as the bad ones because you're pointing out what you should do, you know? And um, so the same mountain where I shot that mule deer yesterday that we talked about in 2020, I ended up shooting my first mule deer buck up there and it was a pretty good buck that morning when I showed up to the spot, um, I got there and I, you know, I, that was the first year I'd been in Montana and I had a couple of trail cams up there and I had a couple of very grainy night photos, but I could see the mainframes on those deer and I was like, okay, there's mule deer up here. There's some decent mule deer up here general unit, never shot a mule deer before gonna, um, gonna give it a go. And so I, and it's a really, really difficult ridge. Like I'm talking, it, it, it's, it, it wrecks you. Like I, I can't hunt that two days in a row. It's like a one day a weekend, like take a break on Sunday, you know? 
So I show up to the parking lot and I'm getting my gun ready, getting my pack ready. And then I see headlights come by and, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. So these guys roll up get out of their truck and uh, they come up to me and are like, Hey, how's it going? Like what, what, what area are you planning on going? And I was like, I'm going straight up there. And they're like, bang, that's what we were planning on doing too. And I was like, really? They're like, yeah, we didn't think you would say that either. It's like, it's a bitch <laughs> going up that. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you've been up there, Ryan. Um, yeah. And so they're like, well, you were here first, you know? So, uh, and this, th- it's a hunting pair. There's two dudes there. And, um, and then just me, they're like, you were here first. So, uh, we'll let you do what you want to do. And we'll just be behind you. And I'm like, got out on X and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go up this Ridge and I'm going to continue up to the right on the Ridge line. If you guys want to hang back and glass that stuff to the left lower and then like wait and then follow behind me a half hour or whatever, like that's totally fine. There's room to work here. And they're like, yeah, that sounds good. You know, whatever. So I, I hike up the Ridge. Um, maybe I saw a doe or two and I kept hiking up the other way. And, uh, and then they did what they said they were going to do is they like kind of continued up behind me gets to midday. I turn around to work my way back down the Ridge and they're coming up the Ridge exactly like what they were going to say half an hour or so behind me. Cause we met about half a mile when I turned around and we start chit chatting again. And uh, I'm like, you know, Oh, where are you guys from and everything? And it's like, Oh, I'm from Illinois and I'm from Indiana. I'm like, really? Well, we're, we're in Illinois. You're from, and this guy, Michael, who I'm friends with today. Uh, he's like, Oh, I'm from, uh, I'm from, uh, Algonquin area. I'm like, no shit. I'm from Palatine. He's like, Oh, well I'm from Algonquin, <laughs> but my, my parents now live in Barrington, which is like two towns over or yeah. orders Palatine. I'm like, really? And then we started talking about like the forest preserves around there that he like pokes around in and finds deer sheds and stuff. And, and we're asking why they're out there and they're both at the university in Missoula for wildlife and stuff like that. And they're both military veterans. So they're not like an undergrad, they're in undergrad, but like they're, you yeah. know, a little older. older. And, um, we started just shooting the shit. They're both very interested in wildlife and, you know, uh, all conservation and everything like that has some really interesting stories and, and we exchange numbers and I'm like, you know, you guys are awesome. We should definitely like, you know, at least get some beers. If not, you know, maybe go on a hunt or something together some in the future. Yeah. And, and the, the other guy was like, you know, he told, he told me Colin, he was like, yeah, I've seen a guy up here that pulled out. A, I helped him pull out a really big mule deer, like a couple of years ago from up here and stuff. So we were coming up to see if we could get one. And I'm like, cool. Well, I'm going to hunt my way back down the Ridge. You guys keep going or whatever. And so we split up and I'm hunting back down the Ridge and, uh, starting to get a little windy. There's a big weather system. That's really close to coming in. And I, I go down to this bedding area. I know, and then I was like, the wind's coming up the hill at me. And I'm like thinking of all the podcasts and things I've read and stuff. I'm like, normally they bed on the, the other side of the hill. So the wind's coming over their back. So I'm like, I think I'm not playing this quite right. So I, I kind of went around the ridge to pop over the top where the wind would be going to the back. And lo and behold, there's a buck standing up at 40 yards. And uh, I ended up shooting it. And it, I, I didn't even know what it was when I shot it. I just saw that it was like a, a buck mule deer and I'd never killed him before. And I shot it. And it's kind of funny how like you could not know what you just shot when it's that close, but you just black out, right? You're like, that's what I want to shoot. Focus on killing it. Right. He so then moment. I, yeah. I go down there. It ends up being a really sweet mountain four by four, like not a massive deer, but like an awesome cagey older mountain deer, like a one thirty mule deer. And I'm like, 
stoked. Like this is amazing. And this is still about a thousand feet above the valley floor. Like it's, it's up there. So I start cutting it up. I look up about half an hour and starting to cut it up. Here comes Michael and Cullen over the top of the ridge down to me. And I'm like, damn, like I walked up to him. I'm like, what are you guys doing down there? Like, well, we heard you shoot. Want to see what's going on? You know? (laughs) Well, I got a buck. That's what's going on, you know? And they're like, you know, ecstatic and everything. And and they thought it was pretty decent deer, you know? And, and so it starts to rain and it starts to rain really hard. And these dudes are there, you know, they're ex military. So they like pretty good on gear and everything. They pull out this, this like fly tarp to cover us from the rain Colin's got a bone saw so I can get all these ribs out and everything. They're helping me hold it and all that to cut it up. And then they freaking helped me pack this thing out between three people, which made it super easy down mm-hmm. a thousand feet in the dark in a driving rainstorm. And then they just went home. And I was like, <laughs> dude, that is, you guys are the best like people I've ever met in the woods. This is freaking amazing. And so Damn, I, I, you a beer. Yeah, yeah. So I actually ended up I, I'm I like forced them to go out with me a week later and I bought them like a, a like, you know, a pretty decently like nice bar dinner, you know, and and then um yeah, I've hunted with Michael a couple of times since then and uh yeah, just keep in touch with them and made some good friends on the mountain and and that's what I I take away from that is um with those good interactions, like you were saying with that older guy from California and stuff. Yeah. This happened to me too in Utah where we elk hunted in Utah. Uh, I, I yep. met some dudes way back in there, like five oh, miles Michigan. in that were from One Michigan. Yeah. 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 And, and when I meet people that are in those kind of situations where I don't even know if I want to go up there, they're generally like me. And I'm not saying that, you know, what I'm getting at is if you're meeting <laughs> other people where you're hunting, they're probably, you probably have more similarities than differences. So so I don't, I've, I've gotten less and less worked up about running into people in my hunting spots than I used to be. Also a part of that is that I've had a lot of success even after running into people. So I start to get a little less worried about it. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously there's a point to which if you have people shooting ducks under your tree stand, that's not going to work out very well. But, but a, s- a situation like that, you know, great opportunity to meet some new people and shoot. I mean, I've never heard of anybody just like ditching their hunt to go help somebody they met that morning, pack something out like that. I mean, great, like great show of hunter etiquette. Great. Uh, that was, that was above and beyond even just them letting me go ahead of them and making a game plan to stay out of each other's way was like as good as you can ask for. But then coming down to help me pack that thing out, was just like, wow, can't believe that. So yeah, I mean, Run into people in the woods. You get the good, the bad, and the ugly. Should we go over uh, kind of what you might do the same or different through those situations? I think that looking at I, your I don't know. First or, story. Or, or just overwhelming takeaways. And that can kind of lead into what you would maybe do different or like, I don't know if I'd do anything different. Well, yeah, here's... I think we should just go down the list of stories you just did real briefly and say one thing that each of us thought about it for you. The first one, the guy trying to run you off of that public land. I think you did exactly what you should do is like, don't back down, but also don't be an asshole. Like, you know, you're in the right, you know that if it comes down to it and you don't want it to, but if it comes down to it, you could get a conservation officer out there and have things cleared up real quick. And yeah, 
I don't think that somebody who's trying to play that game of running you off is going to want it to get to that. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. On that private, he's probably doing some other shit that he probably doesn't want some CO poking around. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, what I just wrote down now for all these stories, um, is just, you know, treat the person even yelling at you, like how you want to be treated, you know, you never know how things are going to come full circle. Like you mentioned, if I would have shot a deer in that circumstance and it would have somehow ran and ran out to his private, if you would end in a good situation, he might've let you on there or in any other circumstance with those goose hunters, you know, they were being selfish and it, okay both those other goose hunters on eric's private you know they were being selfish and it didn't treat them well just like that whitetail hunter on private you know i shot a 140 on public he was probably after that buck and it ended up in my lap because i'm hunting my hunt i don't care about what other people are doing well kind of but i'm not worried i'm not gonna bitch at anybody about doing that so treat everybody how you would be want to be treated you know yeah i think that's the thing to touch on too though is like you want to um you want to be respectful of other people and everything but i think it's also important to to if you're not royally messing up someone else's hunt you should just continue to do what you were going to do don't let Mm -hmm. other people tell you what to do obviously I mean, I guess this needs to be said because people don't follow it it is a little great too but if someone's in there before you don't go in there like i like if I go to a public land spot, I have a tree stand here and I know someone else's tree stand that's like 150 yards down the way and they're parked in that spot before I get there. Like, I'm not going to go in there. I'm not going to go mess up their hunt like that. Obviously it's a little different because you and I have a lot of time and flexibility to hunt. So I know it's tough with people that have tighter schedules and everything. Um, But like, if you know that you going in after somebody who was there before you is probably going to mess up their hunt, I feel like just don't do it. Like it's not worth it for you or them. And, and honestly, it might even mess up your own hunt by having two people in there, you know, like mm-hmm. don't, don't do that. Um, but, but then at the same time, like you were saying, don't, don't switch your plans just because you, you don't be overly cautious of like messing up other people's places. Cause there are some places that are big enough that you could have a lot of hunters in there and and it's not going to really change how successful people are. Like what I talked about with Michael and Colin on that mountain, there's a lot of room to work there. And, um, even if we didn't collaborate on what plan we were going to do, and even if we like bumped into each other up there, like, I mean, we did, we bumped into each other there. We we worked the same Ridge and I ended up killing a buck an hour after I talked to him. And honestly, I killed that buck probably because I talked to them for 45 minutes when I should have been hunting. And when I got down there, that buck was there where who knows if he was there before I got down there, you know? So I think uh, one thing, I guess we're bumping around here, but one thing to take away from that story is like transparency helps with every other hunter. If you see someone at a trailhead or wherever, be honest, you know, be honest where you think you're going to go, where they're going to go work with them. Um, because that's only going to help you and it's going to help them. So yeah, exactly. So in, in a whitetail spot that I hunt, not the one where the duck hunters were, I actually don't hunt that anymore. (laughs) Um, but another spot I've met multiple people that hunt in there, not a lot, but multiple people. And it's another spot that's hard to get to. 
And like I said, normally you have more things in common with those folks. So I don't really shy away from walking up to someone I see in the woods and I talk to them. And it does two things is one gets you on the same page. So you can kind of like stay out of each other's hair, but it also benefits me a little bit selfishly because I'm actually not afraid to tell those people what the deer are doing in that area because they're going to find out the hard way, you know, somehow, which is going to mess it up for me. So I, I know they're going to see the sign. I know they're going to have a camera and see bucks in that area. So what I do is I tell them, I'm like, and by the way, this is a spot where you need to come in before light, but you won't see deer until middle of the day because they come down here to bed. But if you come in during light, they're up on that hill feeding and you will not see a deer in here in the afternoon if you walk in during the light. I've done it a lot of times mm-hmm. and that's what I figured out. So I tell them that because I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I know they're going to find out that this is a lot of deer in here. But if they don't know that, then it's going to mess it up. But if I tell them that now, then we can text each other and be like, hey, you know, I'm going in here on this day if you were playing on it, whatever, you know, but like, then you don't have someone going in and totally screwing up an area. If you get on the same page, I think honesty totally comes full circle. You know, if you're just a good person, everything comes full circle. It'll help you. It'll help them. You know, you can spread the wealth versus just taking it all away from everybody, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So So, a takeaway from the, the guys who are shooting ducks and trying, I guess, to hunt deer at the same time. Um, I don't know that there's anything I could have said to those guys to make them change what they do. Actually, one of my friends told me this too, when I told him the story, he's like, Oh, so you just left with both of you guys pissed off. I was like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. (laughs) Cause like if people, from what I learned from that guy who I was selling the headlight to, who knew about those guys. It sounds like those guys just don't care about other people. And so I guess I could have just saved it and I could have just sat in a tree or just left and not fumed and, and just chewed them out like that. Cause what does that, what does that accomplish now? It makes me livid and it makes them also pissed off and could possibly lead to a worse altercation. But like, you know, I mean, I, I will say that I left there and I went straight back to my truck, like, cause I didn't want them to get there first in case they were going to slash my tires or some yeah. shit, you know? W- one thing too about that though, is though people like that will actually prey on the good people. And just like that one guy you met on marketplace, he's like, I don't even hunt that anymore because these guys are douchebags and running everybody out of there. So in that circumstance, standing up to them might not have been a bad thing because someone's got to stand up to them because it might put a sour taste in their mouth and they might not go back there. Yeah. And now everybody that actually wants to enjoy the resources in there and hunting and stuff like that. It, I don't know. It's both, it's a gray area. And that's why, that's what I said initially. That's what I said initially too, is like, I wasn't like set on killing a deer in there. I was trying to find a big deer because it was like a bonus deer for me. But like, um, the reason that I was upset was because I know like a lot of people that aren't like me hunt that and they don't have a lot of time to, or they are new to it. And I'm like, these guys are ruining it for a bunch of people by doing this. But like, I still think I, I still think I would have gone and talked to them about it, but I, I may have, maybe I didn't need to be like cussing them out and being insulting. Maybe I could have been more like, Hey, you know, this is like really messing it up for other people. You guys might think about what you're doing in the future instead of being like, yeah. you guys are a bunch of freaking assholes, you know, like, <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah cause you know, you don't, 
if you if you get the temperature too high, then some shit can happen, especially with people with guns, you know. But yeah. uh but yeah, so that was that was a hard one to swallow. I think that I could have tempered it down a little bit. I still would have talked to him, but sometimes you're just gonna run into people that are idiots and assholes like that. And and that sucks. Don't be one of those guys. Don't don't think that just because it's public land that you should be going out there and just doing whatever you want on it. I mean, everybody's using it. Like be be mindful of that. Um and then uh Yeah, I would say my takeaway from the guys with the with the goose situation is maybe just call the warden. Don't even talk to him on the second day. <laughs> have the warden. Have the warden. Just cite uh, him for trespassing. <laughs> yeah, ease it out. But I think on a on a better note, um, overwhelming takeaway is that I mean we're blessed, you know, in Montana, everywhere I've lived, that we've have oodles of public property. Also private landowners that allow you to hunt their property for these animals and stuff. So the big takeaway is there's a lot of great people out there, you know, enjoying these natural resources, eating them just like we are, you know, and enjoying with young kids, youth, all this stuff that it is a great thing that we do every day. You know, it's a very holistic thing, kind of spiritual thing of hunting and enjoying all this. Uh, after all these busy lifestyles that everybody lives, it's great that we can just get out there and have a little peace, even though it's owned by the state or government, that we can still feel one with nature and reflect and relax. And it's 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 great that we do that. And it's great that we also share with everybody else, you know. So I think that's yeah. my big overwhelming takeaway with everything. I've got two. One. Yeah. One is that um, if you're thinking about if you're thinking about cutting someone off to a duck spot, if you're thinking about going in under someone's tree stand or something, uh, think about why you want to do that. And if it's because you're stressed out that you need to go get that buck or you need to go shoot those ducks, there's always another day. There's always another day that you're going to go hunting and you're going to have an opportunity to shoot something. But is what you're going to do today cause something down the line that's going to hurt you or others, you know? So if I'm going in this spot, I have a lot of spots to hunt. Maybe that was my plan for the day. Maybe it ruins my morning that someone's in there before me, but what would be worse? Me going to a new spot, maybe finding something I didn't know, or just staying at home and relaxing or getting a confrontation and having two people's days ruined, you know? And then the other thing would be setting an example. The other thing I think we didn't touch on with the goose hunters is that guy set a terrible example for his daughter. Yeah, for use. Not a good look guy. Yeah. yeah. And that's happened before. I was volunteering on a CWD uh, testing where we were taking the lymph nodes out of deer uh, mm-hmm. in central Wisconsin at a uh, state land uh, area where they allowed a youth hunt. And so it was like, you know, the parent had to accompany the youth. And they were kind of like separated into zones where they could have two pairs of parent and youth in this zone and that zone. And in the morning before the day even broke, the organizer was getting a call from these two dudes that were fighting over a spot because one guy had a picture of a big buck in there and the other guy just knew it was a good spot, didn't know about that specific deer. And they were both not backing down because they wanted their kid to hunt there. Yeah. And at the, at the end of the day, what does that show in the kid? Like they were literally nose to nose calling authority trying to like run each other off of that spot 
Is that what you want to teach someone else? Not even a kid, a new hunter or anybody else using the land. Think about how you look to other people, you know? And yeah, I always don't, don't take away from the hunt. You know, it's nice to be successful sometimes, but hunt your hunt, stay in your lane, focus on what you can control. Like they always do tell you in sports, right? Focus what you can control and, and think about the reasons you're actually out there. You know, the reasons I'm out there is my dad taught me all this thing. It was a family tradition. It was fun. I can bring home meat for my family all this stuff and enjoy the relaxation of just being out there hunting. And there's always another day to hunt, but there isn't another day to undo ruining someone else's day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But all right, Ruben, how do you want to end this? I think I'd just say that I know uh, we're in the middle of general season right now in Montana. So this is applicable because everybody's out and about running to each other. And then I know that in the Midwest, Minnesota's shotgun right now coming up in three weeks is Wisconsin's gun deer season. So everybody's going to be out and about just like, you know, everybody's got a different situation, but like I was saying earlier, go out there and enjoy yourselves. Think about, you know, you always have another day to hunt and you're setting an example and you can't undo things that you do wrong, but you always have, more days in the field to get after it. So damn right. Well said it's your tradition and let's keep it going in a positive matter. And what, what are we going to talk about next time? Uh, that mule deer I shot yesterday. Next time we'll go in dip in in, in depth. Can't even say it in depth <laughs> into your mule deer harvest. Another fall success story, almost a part three to another success story between Ryan and Ruben and the Storied Podcast. So stay tuned, stay positive, and have fun out there.